Welcome to From the Inside Out with Pastor Tim Molter of Calvary Chapel, Fergus Falls in Minnesota. We're glad you could join us today. Sit tight, get your Bible, and get ready to get in the Word with us as we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and book by book through the Word of God. Well, with that, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 10, looking at the first 26 verses. The title of our study is Jesus Calls the Ordinary to follow. We left off with the end of chapter 9 with Jesus telling his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest. It's not laborers into the harvest. As we begin chapter 10, we'll see that prayer is answered. Um, and uh, that the disciples will now be sent out uh, as an answer to that prayer to go and, and, and help people and um, to preach the good news about the kingdom of God. So with that, let's take a look at the first four verses, and we'll see uh, the 12 uh, disciples are called uh, by Christ. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. We'll pause there. Now, again, we see that they've prayed to the Lord to send out workers into the field, right, to go and, and minister. And, and now we see the Lord's answered those prayers. And so many times when we pray to God about a situation that we see, God has made us aware of that situation for a reason. And I believe that's usually the beginning of God's work upon our hearts, upon our lives, to be a part of the solution uh, for that situation in that particular field of service. And uh, I've learned over the years when people come to me and they say, hey, Pastor Tim, uh, I see the situation in, in town and there's a need. Can you do something about it? I, I've learned to say, you know, that's that is a need. Uh, you should pray about it. It's perhaps God will uh, give you the, the heart to see if you can be a part of the solution. Um, because if he's making you aware of it, most likely he's going to allow you to be part of helping in that situation. Um, and that was kind of the way it worked for my wife and I years ago uh, in California. We had been serving our local church for, for many years, and um, we were participating in uh, Harvest America with Pastor Greg Laurie, and, and uh, we were part of the, the live stream and, and helping coordinate that with local churches in our area. And we looked on the map and we saw there were a whole bunch of host churches on the west coast and a whole bunch on the east coast and we looked at the midwest and there was like nothing in the midwest there wasn't even one in minnesota we're like well that's kind of strange and uh and so the lord began to softly move in our hearts that perhaps there's a need in the midwest and and uh and i've shared the story before and the lord began to 
to move in my heart to, to, to kind of this unsettling uh, spirit that he's calling us to go and, uh, and, and called us to come out here to Fergus Falls. And, and I'm so thankful that the Lord has done that. But oftentimes it begins with just uh, being aware of something, right, that God begins to move in our heart toward that direction. So we see the disciples are, are made aware that there's a need for workers. There's a need for laborers. And then God calls them right into that. And so we see biblically Jesus first calls and then he empowers his disciples for the work that he sends them out to do. At this time, it was empowered against unclean spirits to heal those with sicknesses and disease and to preach the gospel message. And so Jesus first calls us to follow him, right? To be his disciple. And then as we've grown, as we're following him, then we ask, Lord, we ask that you would fill us with your spirit, empower us to do this work that you've, you're, you're equipping us and calling us to do. And he, and he faithfully does that, right? He gives us the strength and the wisdom and the resources and, and, uh, and allows us to be a part of doing that work. And, uh, and we see time and time again uh, throughout the scriptures that God is faithful to do that. We see a listing of the 12 disciples uh, here they're first called apostles. Uh, and this is in the fact because God is, Jesus is sending them out to go and minister. Uh, the word apostle uh, means one who is sent. And so they've personally seen Jesus Christ and they are sent out. And so um, we don't have necessarily apostles in the same way today. I would say not capital A, but maybe a lowercase a. We would call them missionaries, right? They're sent out to go and, and share the gospel. Uh, there are a lot of self-proclaimed apostles. You'll find them on YouTube and other areas. Um, I don't necessarily think they are uh, real apostles. Um, these guys personally saw Jesus. They were called by him to go out and to minister to those around in Israel. And so to up to this point, they've been the disciples. They've been learning of him. They've been following him. But now... The time has come for them to go, to be sent out. And we see the, the names of them. Simon, who is uh, also called Cephas, later on is called Peter, and his uh, brother Andrew. Uh, and then we see James and John, who are brothers, uh, sons of Zebedee. Uh, they were fishermen. They're also called sons of thunder. I don't, so I don't know if mom, if that comes from mom, that mom was thunder. Uh, or is that maybe because they wanted to call fire down from heaven upon the Samaritans and destroy them? But those would be some interesting guys to hang out with. Um, and then we see Philip and Bartholomew, and then Thomas, and then Matthew, who was a tax collector. One of the, the guys that was despised by Jewish people, considered a traitor to his own kind. Oftentimes they would skim on the top and collect more taxes than needed. And so people didn't like those tax collectors, um, those that were working for and with the government. We also see James, uh, the son of Alphaeus. And we learned uh, a few weeks ago that both Matthew and uh, you would say maybe little James are, are brothers. And you can find that in Mark chapter 2, verse 14, if you're a note taker. Uh, they're both the sons of Alphaeus. And we see that here in verse 3. Then we have Thaddeus and Simon. And uh, Simon, Simon uh, might say a Canaanite or a zealot. 
that is a person who is an extreme fighter against the Roman establishment. Um, he very much wanted to overthrow Rome, and uh, he wanted uh, uh, his people to have a place of their own again. And so, very interesting group of people. And, uh, and then we see Judas. Uh, Judas was uh, the treasurer uh, of the group, and later on he would betray Jesus. Now, again, if you were going to select a team of people to try and change the world, would these be the people you would select? Probably not. Uh, but Jesus was able to do that. And, and we could do a whole study on these characters. But I think it's fascinating how God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things through them. People from different backgrounds and brings them together, united in fellowship, united in him. Again, some of them are fishermen. None of them are really highly educated. Um, none of them are prominent. Only Matthew was, was a bit wealthy. He kind of left all that behind in following Jesus. These were just common, ordinary people. And I believe God uses the same today, ordinary people to accomplish his work. Pastor Chuck Smith, he said, it's wrong for any of us to excuse ourselves from serving the Lord because of the fact we're just so ordinary. Because that's the kind of person God seeks to use for his glory. If God used the highly talented individual, then we would all be saying, oh, you know, he's got his degree, or don't you know he was so brilliant, or don't you know, and we'd be putting the emphasis upon the ability of the instrument rather than upon the one who has used the instrument. We would have a tendency to glory in man or man's educational process rather than glory in God. And how true is that, right? Uh, that we want to make sure that God is getting the glory. And so when God can use any of us, right, he gets the glory. And he wants to use ordinary people, uh, just like you and me. And so we see he's gathered this team together. And uh, we'll see next, he sends them on a unique mission uh, to go and to minister. He sends them out. And we'll see that here next in verse 5. And we'll go through verse 15. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles. Do not enter the city of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received freely give provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts nor bag for your journey nor two tunics nor sandals nor staffs for a worker is worthy of his food now verse 11 whatever city or town you enter inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out and when you go into a household greet it if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah 
in the day of judgment than for that city. We'll pause there. We see that Jesus is telling his disciples to go uh, and minister to the lost sheep of Israel. He's not wanting them to go to the way of the Gentiles or Samaritans. And Gentiles, anyone who was non-Jewish. Um, and so he was restricting kind of their area of ministry. And that was because they would be the forerunners uh, proclaiming the good news. Because later on, Jesus would go and minister to each one of these cities, to each one of these villages. And so um, the disciples were more or less the forerunners of his, uh, before he came to, to these Jewish villages. And Jesus said to announce the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, Jesus is the king. And anywhere Jesus is, there is his kingdom. And so he's, he's wanting them to go and, and make people aware that the king is here. God's kingdom has come. And, and God's kingdom has come to every person who has acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the king of their heart, the king of their life. And so Jesus sends out his disciples. He tells them not to take money. They're not to take provisions. And uh, when you're a part of the ministry of the Lord, this is where you learn to rely upon him. You learn to rely upon the provisions that the Lord gives you. Uh, and, and we believe here at Calvary Chapel where God guides, he provides. And we've seen that time and time again. You're not going to see us pass the collection plate um, I know some churches will do that multiple times. Uh, you're not going to see us put a big fundraiser thermometer on the wall and highlight it and keep telling you you need to keep giving. Uh, you won't see any of that, right? We believe that if God is guiding us in direction, he'll move upon the hearts of his people to give uh, and, and bless that direction. So you'll never get a letter from us requesting funds. Uh, we believe that is an act of worship between you and the Lord. And so we've seen time and time again, God takes care of his church. God takes care of his people. So you trust all that you have into the hands of the Lord. He is faithful to sustain you. He's faithful to provide for you. And I was thinking about that. Um, had the modern day TV evangelists been with these disciples, they probably would have been taking up a collection every time Jesus did a miracle, right? Or every time he gave a, a, a great message like the Sermon on the Mount. They probably would have gone around and, and wanted to collect funds. But we see Jesus, he didn't want any of them to do that. Um, Jesus performed many miracles, but he was more concerned about people. And so we want to make sure our ministry is all about Jesus and then connecting people with Christ, helping them grow in him. And Jesus says, freely you've received, so you're to freely give. So the disciples weren't to demand fees for their service. Uh, they weren't to take offerings for themselves or force the people to give. They had freely received from God. They were to freely give. And uh, it reminds me years ago, a musician named Keith Green, um, he would put on these uh, just beautiful concerts uh, playing his music and he would play the piano just wonderfully, and um, he did things a little different. He had no charge for his concerts, uh, no charge for his, his music. It was all free. It was donation only, which was really unheard of at the time. But the gospel would go, and he didn't want to uh, 
uh, put a price tag on the gospel message. In fact, he would tell people that if you were going to come to his concerts, um, you had to bring one unbeliever or two backsliders. That was kind of the fee, right? Uh, so he had a heart to want to see people come to Christ. And we want to make sure that we're not putting stumbling blocks in front of people to hear the good news, to connect with Christ. And so they're to freely give as the Lord has provided. And Jesus tells them to, when they enter a town, to wait to be invited, to go into home and then bless the home, right? Share the good news about Jesus, that he loves them, right? That he's, he's the Messiah. He's come to fulfill the scriptures, right? That he's, he's going to die on the cross for, for sins, right? And he did that for us. He, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And uh, he rose from the dead. He defeated our greatest enemy. And so he says that if the townspeople refuse to welcome you, well, then you're to leave. You're to keep on going. And it should remind us that when we tell people about Jesus, we cannot control the outcome, right? We cannot control the response that people will give. We're just called to be obedient. Uh, I remember in California, we had uh, Thursday night farmers markets, and I would go down and hand out gospel tracts and talk to people about the Lord. And I remember one time um, we had uh, some guest uh, speakers coming into our Center of the Arts area, and there was this guru guy um, uh, coming to speak, endorsed by Oprah. And so I made up a little flyers, and I was handing them out to people and directing people to where the water fountains were in the bathrooms. And this guy comes out, big guy, and gets in my face and says, how dare you talk about Jesus and how people need him and blah, 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 blah. And I could feel like as he's talking, you know, spit hitting my face. And I'm like, okay, am I going to get out of this one alive? And, and, uh, and this couple comes over and, and they're like, hey, thank you so much for handing these out. It's good. We always need to be reminded that, that Jesus lives. And, and so I kind of took a step back and I was just like, Lord, help, help in the situation. And so the guy finally kind of left me alone, which was a huge answer to prayer. Um, but I got to minister to people, right? And I realized that um, we need not to fear, right? We don't know how people are going to respond. And, and sometimes you'll find that people that are the most um, resisting the, the gospel are actually the ones wrestling with it the most, right? And later on, perhaps they're going to receive Christ, right? Because they're hurting and they're struggling and they're trying to think things through. And so you need to realize that we just have to be faithful. And he says to, to shake the, the dust off of their feet. And, uh, and for the Jewish people, they would understand that. That was a ceremony. Um, it was to symbolize stopping fellowship, all, stopping all fellowship with that, uh, that group of people. And then also not being responsible for the actions that may follow, the consequences of the direction they're heading. And this is why Jesus says it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that city. You recall in Genesis chapter 19, uh, Lot had these two visitors, these two angels that came to him and, and told him uh, to get out of the city, right, to, to leave. And... Um, it's actually interesting because they came to the city square, which is what most likely disciples did. And then you wait to be invited into someone's house. And so Lot invited them. And, uh, and then he begins to hear how God's going to destroy the city. He's seeing the outcry um, of, of the wickedness of this place. And so 
Lot then tells his extended family, get out of this place. The Lord is going to destroy the city. There was not a lot of uh, warm, fuzzy, comforting good news to be shared at that time. It was flee for your lives, right? And, and the only good news was that, hey, if you listen to this counsel and you leave, you're going to live. And so the message was, was shared with them. But Jesus says it's going to be more toler tolerable in the day of judgment for Sodom and Gomorrah than the cities that the disciples are sent to that reject the good news. You see, they, they, they hear the good news, but then they reject it. And, uh, and this was much fulfilled when the Roman armies came in 70 AD under the Emperor Titus. Uh, they sacked Jerusalem. Um, they destroyed the temple. Uh, and uh, they carried out a lot of the gold and the supplies. And uh, in fact, they didn't leave one stone upon another on the temple because it was covered in gold. And so they melted it. And uh, they went around and they destroyed all these Jewish villages. And, uh, and so they rejected the gospel. But the gospel had come to these cities. And so it's better to receive God's mercy and God's grace. To be humble, to repent of our sins and receive him. Than to experience any form of judgment that follows. And so we need to know even when we're obedient. To tell others about Jesus. Not everyone is going to want to hear that news. Um, and you'll find that sometimes people will try and hurt you. And, and maybe you've heard this phrase is that hurt people will try and hurt people, right? And so you don't take it personally. You just realize, like it said as well, the issue is not always the issue. There's internal things they're struggling with. We're called to pray for people, right? They're lost. They, they don't have a good shepherd like we do, right? They're wandering and, and we want to bring them towards Jesus, and sometimes that takes people a while. Um, you've probably heard the story of Lee Strobel. He was an atheist and a journalist. And for many years, he wanted nothing to do with God. And his wife got saved and began to pray for him and, um, and invite him to church. He didn't want nothing to do. And, and, uh, and he was challenged. Well, why don't you disprove God exists? Fine, I'll take you up on that challenge. And about two years later, he he comes to realize that, man, there is a God, and the resurrection is real, and my wife is right, darn it. <laughs> and then he's like, well, now what do I do with this information? If this is all true, and if this is real, am I going to reject it, or am I going to accept it? And he, he knelt down and prayed and received Christ, and he accepted it, and now he's a, a great apologist, right? Uh, sharing the good news of Christ and, and helping people have solid arguments for the Christian faith. But all that to say, sometimes it takes people time, right, to receive, to understand. There's roadblocks in their mind, and, and they're looking for answers, right? And we want to love them towards the Lord. We want to do our best to answer those questions. And that's where it's important for us as Christians to understand apologetics, right, to understand the answers uh, to be always able to give a reason for the hope that lies within us, right? That we can share answers with those around us uh, and give them the scriptures from the Bible. So we need to realize that um, Jesus promises not everyone's going to welcome us for following him. And uh, we'll see he actually says that next here uh, in verse 16 through verse 26. He says, Behold... I send you out 
as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. Verse 21. Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, and hidden that will not be known. We see Jesus tells his disciples that difficult times are going to come. Not everyone's going to like us because we're followers of Jesus. And if we see the way they've treated Jesus, we need to understand that we're going to be treated in a similar fashion. Uh, not everyone is going to like it that we're a follower of Jesus. But even in the midst of that, we realize that the reward, the treasure of being with Jesus is worth it. He is valuable. Being with him forever in heaven helps us to not lose heart. And, and the truth is, the truth of God, right? The truth of the gospel, uh, the Bible, it will bring division. And especially if you've had extended family, you'll begin to realize this. Not everyone will be excited that you're, you're all in and following Jesus, right? They're going to call you a Bible thumper or a Jesus freak, or um, they're going to think you've gone off the rails, right? You're, you're going to go to church, what, every Sunday? And, and you're going to read your Bible, and you're going to pray? Like, you're taking us a little too far, don't you think? Isn't Christmas and Easter good enough? Um, and, and you'll find that your family may begin to kind of persecute you, right? That you're going to be the last to know about things going on. And your family may not like that because you're going against the traditions of the family or the religion of the family. You'll be considered an outcast, right? Excommunicated from the family. And, and places around the world, uh, they realize this, right? Especially in, in, uh, over in India and Africa and, and much of the predominant Muslim uh, territory, uh, they realize this, that if, if they make the decision to follow Christ, to declare Jesus as Lord, they're probably going to lose their job. They're probably going to get kicked out of their house. They're going to be on their own. And in some cases, they're going to even be punished uh, by the, the, 
the tribal uh, leaders the, uh, because they don't want, they don't want anything to do with Jesus uh, in their area. And so people, uh, especially in those areas, they count the cost. They realize that Christ is worth it. That they're going to be sold out and following him because they, they realize it's true, right? That he is God and that he can forgive and heal and restore. And so we need to realize that, uh, that not everyone's going to uh, like us for making those decisions. Pastor John MacArthur said, To be a Christian today means swimming against the world's flow, going against its grain, because its satanic system is extremely powerful. And that's sad, but it's also true. We see the world is in opposition to Christ. We were just chatting with a brother this morning about, uh, he was recalling years ago that there used to be prayer in schools, right? There used to be allowed to read the Bible in, in, the, in the area of school. Um, those things aren't really welcome today, which is sad. In fact, I remember one person told me years ago when uh, the news was first on TV, they actually had pastors come on and pray as they began to share the evening news. And I'm thinking, what? That's crazy. <laughs> you know, Pastor Jack Hibbs recently was at uh, uh, over in Washington and, and did the invocation uh, before Congress, and, and there were a lot of people that didn't like that. How dare we have an evangelical pastor pray before we gather together? Like, well, if you look at the history of our founding fathers, Every time they were going to gather, they prayed. In fact, many of them got on their knees and, and sought God for wisdom. And so we, we realize that um, we need the Lord, right? We need to return to him. Um, and, and our nation is heading in the wrong direction. This world is heading against, uh, against the things of the Lord. And so we need to know following Christ is not smooth sailing. Uh, there are many... Um, false teachers out there that will tell you, come to Christ and it's, you'll get good health and you're going to be wealthy and prosperous. And, and I, when you read the Gospels, read the book of Acts especially, you begin to realize, well, Paul didn't get that memo. <laughs> he, he didn't get healthy. He, in fact, he often got afflicted because he was sharing the good news. And uh, he didn't get wealthy. In fact, he was a tent maker. Uh, much of what he got, he gave away, right? He ministered to people. Um, although he was prosperous in the Lord, but not prosperous in the earthly sense. So we need to understand the same thing, right? That life with Christ uh, is not going to be smooth sailing, but it's going to be better than not having life with Christ. Those who don't have Jesus, man, I don't know how they, how they get through this life. A life of emptiness, a life of despair, and I think that's why many of them turn to drugs and alcohol and the things of this world to try and cope and, and deal with the pain and, and all those things. But in Christ, we have life. We have life abundantly, life to the fullest in Jesus. We have a life with peace, a life filled with love, with meaning and purpose. Right? We know why we're here. We, we know our creator. Right? And so we have that salvation and the security in Jesus. He tells them as they're going out not to have prepared statements that God would give them exactly what to speak uh, when they're to share it. 
And I don't know if you've experienced this, but I, I know I have. Many times I've, I've talked to someone about Jesus, and, and afterwards I'm always thinking, oh, I forgot to mention this, or why didn't I share that, or I could have given them this resource, or I should have put this in when I was praying for them or with them. And, and yet I just have learned over time, the Holy Spirit gave me what to say. Had, was I supposed to share that story or share that scripture? It would have came. And I just trust the, the Lord. I leave the results up into his hands. And you see that with the disciples in the book of Acts. They were brought before councils. They were brought before leaders. And they didn't have prepared remarks. In fact, you even see that on the day of Pentecost. Right? Peter stood up and it was through the Holy Spirit he began to, to preach, began to share. And we need to recognize when we're relied upon the power of God, he will give us the words to share. And maybe you'll experience this at your family gatherings. I remember being a baby Christian, and, uh, and our, we were at, a, uh, I think it was Thanksgiving or Christmas, a family gathering, and then someone says, well, Tim, why don't you pray over our meal? And I'm like, what do I say? <laughs> what do I do? And the only thing I'm thinking is, somehow I've got to get the gospel in here, right? And so I, I think I was just praying, Lord, we're thankful for this food, thankful for family, but most of all, we're thankful for you, that you love us, died on the cross for our sins, was buried and rose from the dead, and... Pray, Lord, that people, even in this household, will get to know you as their Savior and Lord. And, you know, that was my prayer. <laughs> and so just trying to think, you know, how do you, how do you prepare for those moments? You can't. You just have to rely upon the Lord, that he'll give you the words to say. And God was, would do that with the disciples. They were faithful to rely upon the Spirit. He also says here at the end part of verse 22 that you're going to be hated for his namesake. But... He says, he who endures to the end will be saved. This is part of where we get uh, a doctrine. It's known as perseverance of the saints. It essentially is that those who are Christ, those that belong to him, will continue to follow him, will continue to endure to the end. And you see, if somebody who is truly saved, they've been made alive by the Holy Spirit. They're born again, right? Born from a God's Spirit comes and dwells in them. Give them a new heart with new desires. If that has truly taken place, then you can't be unborn, right? It just, it doesn't happen. Um, and, and you'll prove that you're truly in Christ because you continue to follow him. You continue to live for him and with him. Even up to your last breath. You'll continue to confess that Jesus is Lord. But we also know that there are people who are prodigals. There are people who wander away from the Lord. And our, our heart's desire is to see them repent, to come back to Christ. We also know, we saw this in Matthew 7, I believe. Jesus said, not everyone who says to him, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Right? There are going to be people that say, Lord, did, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. And He's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And it comes back to having a relationship with God, having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not just enough to intellectually know about Jesus. You have to have that relationship with Jesus. And so there are going to be people who say, well, I'm a Christian. I was born in America. I've got a Bible at home. Um, you know, I... I I salute the flag. I know the Pledge of Allegiance. And you're thinking, okay, what does that have to do <laughs> with, with Jesus? But people will think that, right? Or I go to church and I tithe. I'm a member of this church. 
but are you saved? Are you born again? Right? And that's what it comes down to, is, is truly knowing him. And, and if you know him, there's going to be fruit from that, right? You're going to persevere. You're going to continue to abide in Christ. And so in Hebrews 12, 2, it talks about how we will persevere, we're secure, because God keeps us in Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And then Hebrews 7, 25, he's able to completely save those whom the Father has given him. So we realize that Jesus Christ is our Lord, our Savior. John chapter 10 talks about this, how we're in the Father's hand and Jesus' hand, and no one can snatch us out of his hand. If you're truly in Christ, you have nothing to fear, right? You're secure in him. Um, but you're going to continue to obey him, to follow him, right? To be his son and his daughter, doing the things that he's asked you to do. And so we see that Jesus here in verse 24, he says, The disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. So Jesus tells them, hey, I've been teaching you. Uh, I've been training you. Uh, you've been with me in the ministry. You've been watching. It's time for you to go out and proclaim the good news. It's time for you to share these truths openly with those around you. But again, know that the way they're going to treat me is the same way they're going to treat you. And uh, he says, if they've called the master of the house Beelzebub, uh, which is actually a term that is uh, of the devil, right? That you need to realize that they're going to be slandering you, right? They're going to be calling you names as well. And so Jesus says, we should not be afraid of people. We should not be afraid of the time that is coming. We need to know that God is still in control, right? That one day he's going to set everything that's wrong right, right? He's going to make everything new. And we can realize that. The things that are secret here on earth that no one else seems to know about, one day will be made known to all later on. And so we're not to fear people. We're not to fear governments, right? We're, we're to trust in the Lord, and we don't look forward to the evil direction the world is heading, but we take heart, we take courage knowing that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. That Jesus has already won the victory and that he is coming back someday very soon. Right? He's going to set up uh, a whole new reality on this, on this planet. Right? We're going to be with him forever. And all the evil, all the wickedness of the world is going to be gone and it's going to be glorious with him for eternity. So we can realize that no matter what we face in this life, we can know that Christ is with us, that he is in control. And we can have his peace and his love within us, even when those hardships will come. And uh, again, when we stand before government officials, God will share, uh, give us the exact words to share and what to say and what to speak. Um, I remember when uh, COVID had hit, I was kind of one of those parents that was frustrated that they were uh, mandating our kids be masked. And so I went to the school board meeting and, and I was there with our video camera videoing uh, everyone as they're talking. And, and I noticed many people had prepared remarks and I had just a couple of things to share. And I don't even remember exactly what I shared, but I remember that uh, Towards the end of what I was sharing, the Lord reminded me, 
You need to share the gospel. <laughs> You've got, look at all the people here. I mean, it was in an auditorium. It was huge, right? I'm like, okay, I need to at least remind people about who Jesus is. And so when you're in those situations, God will give you the words to share, right? It's a captive audience, right? Share Jesus, share Christ with them. That's the most important thing. And, and that's exactly what the disciples would do. They would, they would share Christ. At one point, uh, they were told in the book of Acts, uh, we forbid you to speak the name of Jesus, to talk about this, uh, talk about Jesus anymore. And the disciples said, well, whether it were to obey God or you, we, we're going to have to obey God, right? And, and we'll deal with the consequences as they come. And so they recognize that God is the higher authority, right? And, and that he's the one in charge. And so we, we need to realize that, that he's in control. And thankfully, after speaking at that board meeting, some things did change. Um, and again, I think it's a reminder that as Christians, we need to speak up. We need to speak out, right? We need to stand up for our kids. We need to stand up for those in the community. Um, we need to stand for righteous, stand for truth. But we need to do it in, in a way of love, right? We're not to be arrogant. We're not to be jerks. We're to be tactful, right? We're to, to speak the truth and love, to care about people, and show that we, we do care about people, right, and the effects of of things that happen. Well, verse 25, Jesus says, it's enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. And as disciples, as servants of Jesus, we simply want to be like our master, be like our teacher. Romans 8, 29 says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And, and that's our goal. We want to be like Jesus, right? As we continue to follow him and surrender to him, that he would change us and transform us to become more and more like him. In closing, I want to read uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31, if you want to make your way there. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. And this is a, where Paul's reminding the Corinthians of the people that God uses for his glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. He says, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many were wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of this world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to things nothing which the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, that you've called us to follow you. And Lord, we know there's nothing really special about us. Lord, we know you, you're not looking down and like, oh, I 
man, I've got to get this person on my team because it's such a great, they're going to be awesome. Lord, we know that we get the better end of the deal. We're ordinary. Um, but Lord, we realize that you love us. You've called us. You're changing and transforming us. And in your hands, Lord, through our life, fully given to you, you can do extraordinary things. So we pray, God, that you continue to help us be humble, help us to be teachable, help us to be useful. Lord, help us to be fruitful. We ask that you continue to lead and guide us by your spirit. As we study your word, that we would understand and learn and be obedient to what you've called us to do. And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to, to shine our lights brightly for you. Whether that's in a small group or with somebody one-on-one -on -one or in a large gathering. Help us, Lord, to point people to you. Help us to be about your business, about your kingdom and your righteousness. We know, Lord, the time is running out. And so we pray that you'd help us to be effective witnesses for you and for your glory. And God, we are so thankful that you've called us, that you've saved us, that you love us, that you've adopted us to be a part of your forever family. And Lord, we pray if there'd be any here this morning who are with us in service or perhaps watching the live stream online who, who need to get right with you. We pray, Lord, that today would be their day of salvation. If you're here and you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit uh, leading you towards that direction, I want to just encourage you, make today the day of your salvation. Get right with God. Recognize that he loves you, that he died on the cross for your sins, was buried and rose from the dead. He wants to be your Savior, your Lord, and your King. And if that's you this morning and you're ready to make the decision, you say, Pastor Tim, pray for me, pray with me. I need to get right with God. I need to have that assurance that you talked about to know that if today was my last, I'd be with Jesus forever in heaven. If that's you, I simply want to lead you in a prayer and encourage you to repeat this after me and truly mean it in your heart. God, I realize that you love me and that my sin separates me from you. And Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins that you were buried and rose from the dead. God, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. Wash me clean. Give me a new heart with new desires that I may follow you and experience a new life with you. God, I thank you for loving me I thank you for saving me. And I pray you'd help me to be obedient to this call. I thank you for being my Savior and my Lord, my friend and my King. And I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look, if that was you and that was the first time you prayed to receive Jesus Christ or perhaps a rededication, let me know. I'd love to pray with you. Uh, give you some resources, give you a Bible if you don't have one. You've been listening to From the Inside Out with Pastor Tim Mulder of Calvary Chapel, Fergus Falls in Minnesota. We're glad you could join us today as we study God's Word cover to cover.
verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and book by book. Would you like to partner with us? Consider becoming a giver with us to support this ministry. Please visit ccfergusfalls.com giving. Find out more about this ministry and all of our ministries. Check out ccfergusfalls.com. May God bless you as you study his word with us and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. life to you I give shout from the inside